Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Great. Hi, everyone. Happy Christmas. Um, So here we go. First of all, story about Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for uh, even the chance to reflect now the prayer that we've received and heard and offered the video that captures something of the pain of this Christmas, the Mentimeter, which captures the good and the bad and the song that we've been able to sing that talks about how you came to be born, that we wouldn't die and the great hope you've given us. And we pray now by your spirit in this short talk, you just speak to each of us about what it means to wait for you. And even in 2020, maybe learn something deeper about the waiting that is part of our walk as a Christian. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to think about the idea of waiting, waiting for the Saviour. The passage that Leanne read has two characters, Simeon and Luke, and they'd waited their whole lives for the Saviour. In a sense, Jesus, the Messiah, had been absent and they were waiting. And as I said in my introduction, this Advent, waiting, you know, celebrating the first coming of Jesus, teaches us what it is to wait for the second coming of Jesus. So let's have a think about what it means for us to wait while Jesus is absent, like these two waited when he was absent all the way back then. So let's start with Simeon. What do we know about Simeon? Well, he was a a Jew from Jerusalem, uh, but Jerusalem was under Roman rule. So you can imagine much of his life was, you know, full of oppression and hardship and difficulty. He was righteous and devout, we're told, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We learn that he's very likely an old man because twice it refers to his death in different ways in the passage. Most significantly, though, about Simeon, we learn, verse 25, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. A consolation is an old-fashioned word, but we all know what it means to console someone. I'm sure you've been consoled this year, or you've consoled someone else. To con- a consolation is the idea of comfort, to bring comfort to someone who's lost something or has faced a disappointment. At the end of 2020, we all need lots 
of consolation. The hardships, the sufferings, the losses, the setbacks. For Simeon longed to be comforted. All the prayers that he'd prayed that hadn't been answered. All the waiting with the unfulfilled desires. All the things that had gone wrong for him. And he says, I'm waiting, not just for me, but for all of Israel to be comforted. Because our God has been absent to us. And we're waiting for him to come. And then there's Anna. Her name means grace. She's a prophetess. Like Simeon, she's very devout. She's from the tribe of Asher, one of the the 12 tribes of Israel. But the one of the 12 that was lost in 722 when the Assyrians then, not the Romans like in the first century, the Assyrians came and took over the Jewish people and the tribe of Asher was lost. It was dispersed. So her, her heritage, her identity had always been in question. Where was she from? Who was she? And we know for certain she was very old. We're told that she was married seven years and had lived a widow since for 84 years. So that takes us to 91. Let's say she got married maybe very early at the age of 14. So she's 105 or something. This is a very, very old lady. And she's a widow. So most of her life had been on her own which is a hard thing for a woman in this day and age. But in a patriarchal society, if you're a widow, you are amongst the most vulnerable in society. Now, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What do we know about Anna? She was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. To redeem means to set free, to be liberated from captivity, to come out from under oppression and bondage of slavery. Anna wanted Freedom, freedom, peace. She wanted rest. Many people at the end of 2020, they wouldn't use this word, but they want redemption. They want to be released. They want their burden and bondage of COVID to go. So can you see two people, both old, one male, one female? For both of them, suffering had been a way of life. Many unfulfilled hopes and dreams, many unanswered prayers, many years of waiting, waiting for their saviour who hadn't yet come. Now, if there was ever a year to teach us as a society what it means to wait, well, it's 2020, isn't it? Has there ever been a year where you've had to wait as much? Things have not gone our way. We've not achieved many of our goals. We've not been able to complete many of our plans, our to-do lists. We've been frustrated and, and set back. We've experienced loss and disappointment. We're even right now, some of you are going, Christmas, I didn't expect this. Everything's just changed in the last few days. People refer to 2020 as a wasted year, getting stuck, feeling stagnant. A year to forget, that's the slogan. I mean, Ola was saying that the slogan of, of 2020 is you're on mute, you know, for the Zoom, <laughs> you're on mute. We discussed it's better than been saying you're not on mute when you should be. But that's, if that's the phrase, you're on mute, the, the slogan is a year to forget. Why? Because we've had to wait. So much waiting. Uncertainty. Are things going to improve? waiting for the next government announcement are we at two are we at five are we at three can i travel can i not how far waiting waiting for the wet pubs to open and if you're a pub owner you've been waiting all year 
waiting to see more than two households at a time, waiting to give a hug to someone you love, waiting to be able to open up your home to have 10, 15 people in it, waiting for a vaccine. 2020 has been a year like no other because we've had to wait. And there's been trial and stress and burden. We've been waiting for consolation, for comfort. We've been waiting for redemption, for freedom. We're like Simeon and Anna. We want consolation and we want redemption. So why does God make us wait? What are some of the reasons? I guess that's what I want to look at, at the, uh, for this time. Why does God make us wait? Why did he make Simeon and Anna wait? I want to have three quick reasons for you to finish off the year. And I hope you take these away to ponder. The first reason God makes us wait is to humble us. When you wait, you learn who is really in charge in this world. And it's not you. You're not king. You're not able to control it. You're not God. We follow his plans. He doesn't follow our plans. And that's humbling. 2020 has taught us all that we're not in control. And most of our anxiety, frustrations and sadnesses come from trying to be in control and finding we can't be in control. We think we're captains of our own destiny, masters of our fate. I'm in charge. I'm in control. 2020 has taught us differently. Of course, day to day, we can control significant parts of our lives. We can control the home heating and security remotely. We can move money around the world at the click of a button on an app. We can even control our bodies through medicine and physical training. And of course, we can contain the spread of the virus by closing and opening and closing and opening and level five and level three and schools open. And put. we can control things to some level and, and hope. But are we really in control? Have we managed to stop the certain death that awaits us all, whether through COVID or later? Have we managed to ensure all of our lives go exactly the way we always want them? No hiccups, frustrations, setbacks and losses? Hardly. It's humbling, isn't it? When you have to wait. So what should our response be? Well, when you look at the lives of Simeon and Anna, what you see is complete surrender. Their lives have been marked by suffering and unfulfilled desires. But do you get any hint that they're trying to take control or fight against it? They are happy and holy because they have humbly surrendered to the timings, the plans and the ways of their Lord, who moves in mysterious ways and sometimes keeps us waiting a very long time. When we wait, we learn that we're not God and that it humbles us. And the only way to handle that is to completely surrender to him again. Has 2020 taught you humility? Has 2020 taught you a deeper surrender to our great God? If so, praise him for the waiting. This year has not been wasted. It has been very good for your soul. Why else does God make us wait? to humble us, also to increase our desire. Let me tell you a story. I remember years ago, my mum was an avid tennis fan, won two tickets for Wimbledon. And she said she was gonna take me. So I was so excited to go to London, to go to the world famous Wimbledon tennis courts, to the most prestigious tournament in the world and see the greatest players on the earth compete. I couldn't wait, but I had to wait. 
And eventually, after months of waiting, the day came when we got up early and we packed our lunches and we headed off down to London and we queued for a long time and we finally got into the Wimbledon Arena, the complex. It's just an amazing place and you walk around and you finally go to your court and you find your seat and all the waiting was over and we were ready. And guess what happened? It rained all day. We didn't see a ball get hit. A few times the covers were rolled off and they thought the rain, and then the rain came and the covers were rolled back on. So what happens when you don't see a ball hit and you have a ticket for Wimbledon? You automatically get the same ticket the next year. So I had to wait a whole nother year to go to the greatest tournament, to the greatest players, and da -da 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 -da. And the waiting, what did it do to me? It increased my desire to go again. I got a taste of it from walking around the first year, but I saw no tennis. And so I wanted more. I want my expectation had grown as the waiting continued. And sure enough, the next summer came around and it was a lovely day. And mum and I got to go and watch some great tennis at Wimbledon. Waiting increases your expectation and desire. You get the sense with Simeon and Anna that the waiting had only done them good because they trusted in God and his ways and his timing, and therefore their desire for a savior had increased. And Anna, in her waiting, what do we know about her? She never left the temple. She fasted and prayed day and night. She was so desperate, so hungry for her savior. There's two parables that Jesus teaches about prayer in Luke's gospel. And they both say that when you pray, often your prayers don't get answered immediately. And so Jesus is highlighting the importance of persistence in prayer. As you wait and your desires increase for the thing that you want, what is our response? Look at Simeon and Anna. They're in the temple and they're praying and they're persistent in praying. They're not giving up. They keep going. They're asking and they're knocking and they're seeking, believing of the promise of an answer, an opening and a gift. They're trusting in their good father to give them a good gift in his timing. And they're not going to give him any rest. They're going to keep going. So God uses the waiting and the delays to make our desires more fervent, our prayers more passionate, our devotion more pure, our yearning more true. Has 2020 given you a greater desire for God, for his kingdom, for peace, for harmony, for health, for fellowship, for singing, singing in church, for a whole raft of other things? Well, God has enlarged your heart through the waiting. Praise God. This year has not been wasted. He's been increasing your desires. Persist in prayer. So God makes us wait to humble us. The only response is surrender. He waits his wait to increase our desire. The only response is persistent prayer. And then finally, through all this waiting, he makes us beautiful and strong. He wants to make you beautiful and strong as you wait. Just look at Simeon and Anna, old in years, yet young in spirit, fragile on the outside, yet strong on the inside, wrinkled and probably carrying the scars of a long life full of suffering, yet beautiful. And Anna means grace. They're full of grace. Just imagine the trauma of Anna living alone without a husband or children for 84 years, a single 
woman who's very old. She was amongst the most vulnerable in the ancient world. And yet, and yet, she isn't bitter. She isn't full of anger. She hasn't got a nasty face that's like full of being twisted up by this world. She's beautiful and she's strong. The humble widow from the lost tribe of Asher is a giant in the kingdom of God. She had waited her whole life with many unfulfilled desires, much sadness, but had not grown cynical. Instead, had grown beautiful and strong. Why? Can you see why? Where is she? She's in the temple. She's come to meet with her God and spend time with God. Anna never wanted to leave, we know. So Psalm 84 probably was her prayer. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The presence of God was lovely, the psalmist says. And the eagerness in our heart to meet with God. Or Psalm 27 says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is Anna. Why? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him where? Where Anna is, in the temple. Anna wanted to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Those two Old Testament Psalms express the hearts of Anna, uh, hearts of Simeon and Anna. They were in the temple and they encountered the loveliness of God's presence and the beauty of the one that they came to meet. Listen, if God's sovereignty humbles us, calling us for surrender, if in, it, 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 sorry, if, if God, if the waiting humbles us, calling us for surrender, if it increases our desire, calling us to persistent prayer, if it makes us beautiful and strong, how? As we encounter the beauty of God as we pray. As we behold the beauty of God in his temple, we are made beautiful. And in Jesus coming to earth, John chapter 1, he is God's temple, tabernacling, among, dwelling amongst us, living amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the beautiful glory that Anna wanted, full of grace and truth. It's knowing Jesus and his beauty and his kindness and his gentleness and his mercy and his strength that we are changed from one degree of glory to another. The Apostle Paul was a man whose life was marked by delays, setbacks, hardships and a thorn in the flesh but he'd learned to be content whatever the circumstance and rejoice in all things because of Christ in him and he says though outwardly I'm wasting away inwardly I'm being renewed day by day why because he knew the beauty of Jesus and he spent time with him you know there's a word we use if someone doesn't have to wait they get everything they want when they want it. What, what We use the word spoilt. If you get everything you want when you want it, you're spoilt. And it usually leads to another word, brat. If you have no delays and no waiting, it doesn't do any good to your character. It only damages your character. It makes you proud and flimsy, arrogant and shallow. But if you wait in humble surrender, persistent in prayer, looking at the beauty of God in Christ, what happens? You become beautiful 
and strong. God uses the waiting. He uses the struggle. He uses the hardship. He uses the delays to mold you and form you. And I say beautiful and strong because look at Anna, look at Simeon. They're not flimsy and shallow. They are beautiful and strong. They are humble and confident. They are gentle and true. They are loving and holy. They've been changed and molded in a way that only comes from gazing upon the beauty of the Lord and enjoying his lovely presence. Do you know how long it takes for a coal to become a diamond? I googled it, 3.3 billion years. What happens during those billions of years? Three things, two things, immense pressure and extreme temperature. And when you add lots of time with immense pressure and extreme temperature, you take a dirty, fragile, ugly piece of coal and you make it into a lovely, strong and beautiful diamond. Can I encourage you, brothers and sisters, on this Christmas Eve, all the most precious jewels in God's kingdom are fashioned under intense and prolonged pressure of delays and hardship. But without the equation of pressure plus time plus heat, there is no beauty and no durability. God uses the waiting to make us beautiful yet strong. So let's seek after his beauty and the strength of Christ more than ever in these days. We did a survey during the start of, well, during the first lockdown. And we asked people if they felt isolated and lonely. And you remember, maybe you filled in the survey and there are lots of answers, yes. And, and then we asked us another question, have you grown spiritually through the lockdown? And there was a unanimous, well, a, a very high proportion that said, yes, God is doing something marvelous in our days. It's not easy. It's like being a, a coal turning into a, to a diamond and all that pressure and all that heat and all that time. But something beautiful is coming. He's making you beautiful and strong. And one day, dear friends, the waiting will be over. In the first coming of Christ, Simeon and Anna got their consolation and their redemption for their story. One day Christ will return and you will get your consolation and your redemption for your story. Simeon and Anna had the joy of, after all those years, receiving Christ personally. And one day you and I too will, and Christ will return. And our bodies will be redeemed, no longer subject to curse and decay and pandemics. And our minds will be renewed, no longer confused and anxious and uncertain. And our desires will be transformed as we receive everything we ever wanted and more, but only in a true and pure way. And our souls will be consoled. Every sadness, every suffering, every tear, every prayer, every loss, we will be comforted. The waiting will be over. The battle will be complete. We will rest. We will be free. And with the psalmist, we'll gaze on the beauty of the Lord as the whole earth once again becomes a temple a place for his glory. Our hope as we approach 2021 is not ultimately that a vaccine might come, but that Jesus has come and is coming again. And in him there is consolation and there is redemption. And he knows your story. He knew Simeon and Anna's story 
and all that waiting will not be wasted. It will not be forgotten. He's coming. He wants to humble us, to drive us to complete surrender. He wants to increase our desires, make our hearts bigger, so we persist in prayer. And he wants to make us beautiful and strong as we gaze only upon his beauty. Let's have a moment for prayer. Lord, none of us like waiting. I certainly don't. And forgive us this year, Lord, where we have um, not waited well. Forgive us for our impatience and our petulance, for our immaturity. But thank you, Lord, that you came ultimately to save impatient, petulant and immature people like me. That's the joy of Christmas. And thank you, Lord, that 2020 is not a wasted year. It's not a year to forget. It's not a year where we, you know, it, it was all just hopeless. Lord, you were doing something deeper and more wonderful. Uh, but it's hard, like it was for Simeon and Anna. And Lord, we do express the losses. We express the sadnesses. We say, Lord, this is hard. Help us to wait. Teach us that complete surrender as we're humbled. Teach us persistent prayer and enlarge our hearts that our desires for you would increase and Lord we just trust that in all of this you're making us beautiful and strong I know I don't feel beautiful and strong a lot of the time and I only see the coal but Lord you're making us all into diamonds and we're going to sparkle and we're going to be beautiful and we're going to last forever and thank you Lord that as we think about your first coming and tonight we just wait in anticipation to celebrate tomorrow. We actually wait for your second coming to wrap up every sadness and every tear and to swallow up death itself. And where we might know that freedom that Anna and Simeon longed for and that consolation. So we look forward, Lord, to your second coming. We look forward to the day when we meet you. And we look forward to when this world again becomes a home for us all to inhabit with safety and peace and joy and singing and wine and bounty and plenty. Um, so help us, Lord, as we wait. And I pray that today, tonight, tomorrow, there'd be great joy even in the losses as we behold you and know you. In Jesus' name. Amen.